Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the same old Arsenal podcast, the Thursday sit-in. Actually, it's the Thursday sit-down. I get that wrong last week as well. <laughs> I've just got the most amazing guest for us all. Honestly, um, I'm so honoured to have the wonderful Rebecca Lowe from NBC Sports Premier League in the States. She's an English girl working in the States and has taken the States by storm with it all. Rebecca Lowe, Miss Rebecca Lowe, welcome to the show. Amanda, it's so good to be here. Thank you for having me on your lovely show. Oh, so excited. I don't know where to begin. The problem is we have to begin, unfortunately, with discussing last night. So um, I know that you covered it. Oh, before I start, I do this every week. Hello, everybody in the chat room. I do apologise. I got so excited Rebecca was here that I forgot you were all there as well. Hello, chat room. Um, Yeah, hello, chat room. She wants to say hello. We've got a few people. Good evening, Lynn. Hi, Lynn. And good evening, Carl. Carl. This could, this could Carl. take some time if we go through everybody, but hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, unfortunately, um, not been in the best of moods today, Rebecca, if I'm honest. That's nothing to do with you. It's the fact that my team, yeah. my team, our team, unfortunately, in the chat room, everybody's a gooner, probably. It, it was tough, Rebecca. I predicted to all because the two things that I felt was, one, we've hit a sticky patch, and two, they are galvanised by the fact that the world's against them with these accusations. I have a lot of Man City fans that are friends of mine, and they all said to me this weekend, we were unbelievably awesome against Villa, which I watched the game. So my head was going, yeah, this is so Arsenal, Rebecca. Three weeks ago, we'd have beaten them. With our full strength sides, with Thomas Party in, I had that really, really like positiveness that we would have beaten them. Mm. Yet Everton sacked their manager and we have to go and play them. We will be the only team probably in the next few months that loses to them. And then obviously we're all pumped up, we're all ready, you know. We get a rumour on social media that Thomas Party's out. 
I start going, what are you talking about? About four o'clock. My other half is like, Amanda, it's a rumour. It's a rumour. I went, they don't start rumours for nothing. And then when Charles Watts announced it, I can tell you a part of me dulled, dulled inside. The excitement dulled. I was just about to go to the Emirates and it dulled because I thought, as much as I'm very happy that Jorginho's with us, he's no Thomas Partey. Wherever anyone says he's no Thomas Partey. And he is one of the most important players, Rebecca. So already I've said in the car going, we're going to draw or lose. We're not going to win this. And a draw would have been perfect. The atmosphere for anybody that wasn't there was absolutely incredible. We knew it would be because the Emirates atmosphere has been incredible all season. But last night, you felt the buzz. You felt all the way through the game. And it just didn't go for us, Rebecca, did it? No, it didn't. And I think, you know, I think it was the biggest game, wasn't it, in the history of the Emirates Stadium last night? I mean, I think that... I think know, so. And I think the stadium, I've been there so many times over the years and I've never, I've got to be honest, I've never thought that the atmosphere was where it should be for the size of the club. And that's so much to do with the fact that when I was there going there, it was just after the last title and then through the, you know, tough finger years. Um, and so I, I haven't seen the Emirates at its best until I went this season for the West Ham game. When you were losing at halftime, came back to win. That was I, I couldn't I actually couldn't, that atmosphere was a bit of a shock to me. I was quite surprised after the ten years that I'd spent going to that stadium without that atmosphere. Um, going back to the Everton game, I don't think it's just about sacking their manager. It's about who they hired. I think that was always going to happen when Deitch came in, and that was just such bad timing. I think that your blip has coincided with just like you said, two bad pieces of timing. The Everton change of manager with the bringing of Deitch. They could have brought in anybody and they probably wouldn't have had the bump that they got under Deitch. Um, especially as they weren't very good against Liverpool, which just is, makes it even worse for you guys. That's, and then the City yes. thing, the galvanisation. I mean, whatever happens with Manchester City, they are so lucky to have a man in charge there who is so good at so many things, but my goodness, is he good at the whole siege mentality thing? And that is what he's doing. And my worry, I, I thought that you would lose. i got to tell you, my prediction was I do a show called The Lowdown on YouTube and they asked me about it on Sunday. What did I think was going to happen? I wanted Arsenal to win. I mean, I'm neutral. I'm a Palace fan. So ultimately, I don't care who wins. But for the title race, even though it closed the gap and now they're level on 51 points, I still think Arsenal need a cushion in the title race going into the final six games for this to to really be tight because I I just think they need that over City in order for it to be otherwise I think City might run away with it so I, I wanted Arsenal to win to keep it where the little cushion going on and also I, I think it would be great for Arsenal to win the league I think for the Premier League for Arsenal for the rest of football for the neutral I think them winning the Premier League is what the Premier League actually needs I don't yeah. personally think they need Man City to win again but uh, you know that we said this about Man United 15 years ago then when they won it every year so it is what it is but you've hit a blip, you've hit a problem, you've hit a wobble. And it's now the Villa game on Saturday is oh. Oh. so crucial, you guys. And it's all about, I remember when I used to interview Sir Alex Ferguson on a regular basis as the pitch side interviewer for ESPN for four years. And my God, by the way, side note, that was terrifying until we then became like pals and then it was fine. It was amazing. But he used to always talk about, always say after a defeat, it, I, I don't care about the defeat now. I don't care about it. What I care about is the reaction to the defeat. And Arsenal's reaction of the past few games to either dropping points or to losing has not been great. 
And my concern about Saturday is, are we going to see that reaction on your behalf or are we not? You've got no choice. You've got to win on Saturday. It, it, it's gigantic. I was disappointed with the second half yesterday. I didn't, just didn't think Arteta, I didn't actually think Arteta was quite as animated. I mean, he's always animated, so it's a high bar with him. Mm. But I kind of wanted him to slightly lose his rag a little bit on the side. I, I know that he's been criticised for doing that, but actually I felt like in this particular game, a little bit of naughtiness from Arteta on the side might have been just what the team needed, especially in the second half. Um, I know that Kevin De Bruyne, when he got pushed, there was a few things, but I just needed a bit more Arteta naughtiness yesterday to just send the message to the team, like, let's get stuck in. Because they're just, second half was disappointing, wasn't it? Really disappointing. It was. And I'm just going to put a comment up that Lynn Simpson's just said, Amanda and Rebecca, I don't think the party losses the game last night. I think that had Mikel done what Pep done in the second half, we'd have possibly got a draw, which is what you're alluding to, that yeah. Pep changed it. And the thing is, I, you know, I look at it like this. You can look on the positive side. We are joint top. OK, it's just goal difference. We have a game in hand, yeah. but points on the board are more important, as we know. Um, and no one, not one Arsenal fan expected this but that's in the, the first problem. week of August. But, but Amanda, here's the problem with football. If you were second or third and having a really good season up to now and then you went top for the rest of the second half of the season, it's a completely different feeling. To be top yeah. for the first half... It's it, whether you, of course, nobody expected that. You, to go from fifth to first in, in one in one season swing is crazy. But the problem is you've been top for half the season. Yeah. Anything now below top is deflating. That's just the way football works. And unfortunately, that's tough to deal with because you should be happy. You should be like, you know what? If you finish third, that should be enough after what happened the last couple of years or last 10 years or nearly 19. But you haven't been in the Champions League for seven years. So if you finish third, brilliant. But it's not going to be, is it? Because of where you've been for half a season. Well, yeah. You see, the thing is, I'm because I've been there since 1973, no word of a lie, since night I've been seen it all. I have seen absolute dire football. Right. We have been empty. Highbury was empty at times. Half the stadium was filled. You know, it all really, really changed when George Graham started mid-80s. Obviously, you, you, uh, you're a lot younger than me, so you'd obviously just been born. But then George Graham came in when you was about five or six, I think. And it changed it. So I've seen it all. So when this started going on and we were winning and winning and watching the most explosive football I've seen in years, I said to everyone, enjoy it. Enjoy every moment. Because we don't know how long it's going to last. I did not think it would last as long as this. Now, we are we our mentality in the stadium as fans has changed. The toxicity has gone. You know, I don't know if you could hear it last night, but when yeah. Tommy Asu messed up for the goal, we stopped singing his name. Yep, absolutely. I mean, and we don't that. I do love that, but I was a bit like, whoa, that yeah. that is rare. Absolutely rare, but it, it's not rare at the, the Emirates now and the away fans as well. So um, I've had Stuart, the photographer, the Arsenal's photographer on the pod quite a few times. And obviously he goes, he's got the most amazing job, isn't he? He's with them 24-7. And he's saying that the players are rising to the to the atmosphere, which is common sense, isn't it, Rebecca? If you work in a toxic atmosphere, you're not going to work at your best. But if you've got people going, Rebecca, you're amazing. Rebecca, you're amazing. You're going to go, do you know what? I am. I, I, we've got this. I've got the support. I've got it. So so that's all changed. 
Will we be deflated if we got third? Yes, I get what you're saying. But the, the aim was to get Champions League this year and improve. It was. We don't know what's going to happen. Honestly, this is Arsenal all over. We could go to Villa and win and City could lose the weekend. And bang, we're three points ahead with a game in hand. Well, that's what I think about City. Although this time of year they come over that mountain and they look ominous and they look like this is going to be their 13 straight winning run, this City is a little different. The galvanisation from Pep, the siege mentality is a factor to take in. But can it actually mask the fact they haven't been that great? I mean, how no, they haven't. It's easy to think they're top of the league and they haven't been that great. I mean, the standards. But if if the siege mentality wears off a little, which it might do, um, I just wonder whether that's your chance. I mean, of course, if you finish third, you'll get to the summer, you'll be in the middle of June, end of June, and you'll be like, okay, a month out, let's just reflect. Yep, third, you know what? Proud of them. Happy we finished third. We'll go again. We weren't ready to win the league. But, this, but the, this season's so interesting because you've got the likes of Liverpool who are here and are now here, right? You've oh, got yeah. Newcastle who are here and who are now here. You've got West Ham who are up and are now down. Like, you can do it in a season. I don't think that this is outside your realms of possibility for Arsenal to win this league. He's It's down to Arteta and his lack of experience in his first job at this point in a season, top of the league or now second, but you know what I mean, level. It, it comes down to whether or not he can manage this out now and it might be too soon for him I don't think it's too soon for the players it might be too soon for him and his ability but I don't think he's far away it might be but I think you uh, I think you can do it you've just got to he's got to manage his way through it he's got to find a way to get them on Saturday like you say they could easily win City could easily lose because City do lose quite a lot and you know as I said I've got a lot of City friends and they keep saying to me this is not over Amanda we deserved it last night, but this is not over. We've not been playing brilliant this season. And I said, and I was sitting there watching it last night, you take De Bruyne and you take Haaland out of that team. They're pretty average. Now, we've got a good team. Yep. Yes, Gabriel made mistakes last night. Tommy made mistakes. You cannot give the ball away and, and expect him not to score. Before the ball even got to Grealish, I knew he was going to score because my angle, I could see the position he was in. I knew he was going to score. It, it's hard. It's been a tough day because it's not that the fact that we're off the top of the league, we're still up there. It's the fact of, I can't, I, you know, we're desperate to win on Saturday. I it's mean, it's more the fear. Desperate. It's the fear that this carries on, isn't it? You just got to, you've got to just, you just, you'll feel better on Saturday. You'll today, yesterday won't matter if you win on Saturday. It just won't. Absolutely. So it's the fear that the blip continues, I think, is the problem. Yeah, and our um, game in hand is only in a couple of weeks. We play Everton at home. Um, yeah, but Everton at home are very different to Everton away. We we, have, we generally do well at the Emirates. We True. don't do well at Goodison Park, so I'm not surprised. I was on uh, Toffee TV, which is their like fan station, yeah. the week before I was invited on. I said to him, it would not surprise me if you get a draw. He laughed at me. I said, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm being funny. I'm not being funny. We don't do well at Goodison. And you've got the new manager. And I know Sean Dyche. I know what he's going to do. And we can't break teams. And that's another thing that's going on. Um, the time wasting. I cannot believe City time wasted last night. I thought they would, go. Honestly, Rebecca, I was like gobsmacked. I kept saying to my friends on WhatsApp, what's your team doing? I'd, uh, right. They yeah, didn't Everyone does it. They all do it. But, and, and Arsenal would do it as well. They would have done it if they were in City's position. They all do it. But 
honestly, we look Ramsdale. I think occasionally does it. I, I and but I've not. Seen him do it. But yeah, but <laughs> Newcastle came and did it. Brentford did it, and the and the shithousery that goes on. Excuse my language because I don't normally swear on this, but oh my god. And we can't even talk about VAR without us being here for an hour. The problem I've got, Rebecca, and I said this from day one about VAR, and I'm going to ask your opinion on it. I never wanted it in the first place for anything that wasn't factual. Anything that wasn't factual, I want goal line technology and whether it's gone off for a throw-in. These offsides by a toenail of ruined football. Forget Brentford. They've apologised. Apparently, that's okay. But we lost. We, oh, sorry, we lost two points. We didn't lose the game. We may have won that game. We may still be top tonight. It, I know it's fine margins, and I know every team would think this. But what's your take on VAR? And then I want to get into you because it's enough Arsenal. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Goal line technology is one of the best things that's ever happened to football um, because it adds a bit of drama when we all look at the ref. Is his watch buzzing? And it also is yes or no. There is no in between. You can't be like, oh, but I don't think it is over the line. No, no, it's it. We know it's computer side, computer system. For me, get rid of it. For me, get rid of VAR. Uh, keep goal line technology. Get rid of VAR until offside is the same. Until he gets a buzz on the watch, which tells him he's offside. Until we're there, and apparently we're not far from that. We don't need it. The, the toenail thing for me is a killer. Um, I find that hot. You know, I, I all we're doing. We got VAR involved to um, clear up, like you said, the black and white things. We, we, we not, I didn't think we got involved, got VAR involved to add another layer of subjectivity to what is already subjective. Is it a penalty or is it not? I, 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 I would rather stay with the referee on the field on that. It's just subjective. So what is another human being? Why, why do we need another human being's opinion on something? You know, I mean, what happened to you guys was, was shocking. All I would say is, the problem with that, the problem with what happened to you is, yes, you dropped two points, but you also don't know they wouldn't have scored anyway. So Exactly, I said that. It is one of those situations. It's an absolute killer. And I really was, uh, I mean, I the, the, the Lee Mace, anyway. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm with you. Get rid of it. The other thing I want to say about VAR, why can't they, if they're not going to get rid of it, which doesn't look like they are, what we need is an ex-player sitting next to them. It can be League Two. It can be Premier League. I don't care as long as it's an ex-professional, right? Because in my experience, having worked with ex-professionals and being married to one, they know the game better than anybody. They can see things I've never seen. I'm like, no, there's not a deflection there. Little things like that, and they've seen a deflection. They know inherently what the what what should happen and what is happening, right? So all they need, they've already got two people and an operator. So get rid of one of them, bring in and pay a former pro, probably a lower, lower level, because I'm sure Premier League players don't want to do it. But it doesn't matter. It's all the same game, right? They're all, they've all been through the same system. Have him sat next to them. That player will not let half of what goes on happen. I don't understand why they don't do that. Is it a weird closed shop that they don't want? Yeah. To be for? I don't, well, they need to just get over their pride. Because Howard Webb is, for me, brilliant. Best thing to happen to refereeing in English football. I think he's a, he's a classy operator. I want him to hire ex-pros. They need help. It's not that, you know, Lee Mason hasn't played the game. I mean, it's not, but it's not just about the error that he, and by the way, it wasn't human error. It was human incompetence. No, human yeah. That's not an error. That's literally incompetency. Um, it would be like you doing this and like forgetting to press record. It's just not, you. Just, that's bottom line. Um, so I feel like that's what they need to do. If they're going to keep it, bring in ex-pros. If not, please get rid of it until we know the buzzing on the watch works. And keep everything subjective to the bloke on the field. 
The thing is, Rebecca, you don't even need an ex-pro to draw a line and see who's offside. Well, you the and line, I, Amanda, the lines are—they are. I mean, what is this? This is a billion-dollar industry. We're doing. Oh, I know. Move the line a bit. To the, oh, I think it's on his elbow. Is that on his elbow? No, it might be on his knee. Guys, let's cut the line. The lines are an embarrassment. We don't need the lines. We just need. I would like to say that weekend, not only Arsenal, West Ham, Chelsea. Yep. Chelsea should have had a penalty when he literally. And Brighton was embarrassing, and and I just think, I think you need like so Lee Mason stepped down, but they'll probably be just be about four days, and he'll be back. So subjective is a problem because you and I will say, so last night for instance, a lot of people who are non-Arsenal fans don't think it was a penalty on Eddie. Where I've looked at it in two different angles: one angle it looks, and one angle it doesn't. Okay, so you. You have to trust the man on the field. That is it. I've got to, you know, I'm we've okay been there all these years with him, and I'm okay with that, especially now. I mean, I never wanted it in the first place, and it ruins it. We played Man United a few weeks ago, and in the last few minutes, Eddie scores. We can't celebrate, Rebecca. No, that has been ruined. Yeah. Honestly, I sat there and I went, well, we've got to go to VAR. I mean, we should have been out of our seats going mental. We've uh, just beaten United 3-2. Well, it's massive. Right. I think that's tragic, actually. I think that's tragic. tragic. And how have we, that... we let that happen to our game? How have we let that happen? That's terrible. Well, I, I don't know, but I'll tell you what. I said put me up in Stockley Park for every game and I'll be able to draw a line properly, know what's offside, know what I think is a penalty. Again, subject subjective. Anyway, moving on. So, so. Okay, so <laughs> I actually don't know where to start because we, we need to leave Arsenal behind because I want to talk about you. Okay. Rebecca Lowe, <laughs> head anchor at NBC, NBC Sports. Can you even believe that when people say that to you? It's funny. That's, that's, a, that's a funny question because I was thinking about this the other day. It's nearly 10 years since I took this job, since I left England. And if you had said to me 11 years ago, this is what was going to happen for the next 10. I'd have laughed in your face, Amanda, for a number of reasons. Um, and so I suppose the answer to that is no, I can't really. It, of course, it's, I live it every day, so I'm in it. But I do, and my husband is really good at helping me, sometimes just force myself to take a step back. This is not where I thought I was heading. This is not the career direction I thought I was going in, purely because in 2012 in England, being a female in our game was not where it is now. And I'd done it for 10 years and I was kind of um, done. I was kind yeah. of done with football in England, the abuse that I would get. And it was so hard. And to suddenly get a call out of the blue to say that NBC are interested and my agent was going to fly to New York to meet them. And then I took, the, I, I was like, it, one of those just complete life changing moments. So I, I, I love it. I absolutely, I have the best job and no, I, I, I sometimes can't still believe it. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, this is a beautiful comment from one of the Guna gals that I was talking to you about before the show. And they're all going to watch this when they finish their work. But Jessica Shannon, who absolutely loves you, and we love Jess. Bex has changed how football is viewed in the US. She's generous, professional, and a wealth of knowledge. She's paved the way for many girls in sports. Mm, Jess, I love Jess. She's so sweet. I love Jess. That She's so gorgeous. She's the best. Jessica, do you know what? I, I so get that. So I can't watch you often, okay? Yeah. I, sometimes I can get straight, little bits I watch. Remember that day I said, I love your dress? And you went, yeah. how do you know what dress I'm wearing? <laughs> and I said, I can see you. Um, and I love your, um, I love Robbie Musto, Robbie Earl, obviously Dixon. And when Lee Dixon was at the Emirates and I said hello to him and he went, I've got to go. Rebecca's just about to tell me off because I've got to be on air. This was ages ago. I did laugh. You know, you work with some great people, but you have, you, you have taken America by storm and I'm just proud of you. Not that I've known you long. The yeah. fact of what you've done for women and is what Jessica, uh, Jessica's saying. You know, it is you are head anchor of a sports channel in America, not even in England. It's so fast, America. The fact that everybody knows you, Rebecca, everybody, and they are every woman, you, you sort of, we're proud of you. And trust me, the women over here that obviously don't know you as well as the Guna girls do, and the Guna girls absolutely idolize you. Um, you have done amazing. I mean, look, you and I are sitting here. Talking about football, we've got men in the chat room. Yeah. We're not getting any. I never get any abuse. I mean, I'm going to talk to you about that in a moment. I've never had any. Because when men know what I'm talking about, when I start talking to them for about 10 seconds, they realise that yeah. I know what I'm talking about. But as women, we have to do that. So <laughs> you are just honestly, and I don't, you know, don't want to embarrass you any further. That but is, it's true. That is so lovely, Amanda. Thank you. I think, I think the um Paving the way for the girls is, is the thing for me that gets me, you know, because we're lucky enough to take our show on the road a few times a year to do these fan fests that you've probably seen footage of. And so I actually get to meet the viewers and it gives me actually got chills. It gives me chills think when I talk to mums and dads and they introduce me to their daughters and they you know, their daughters are like, I want to be like you. And I'm like, what? Yeah. this is mad. It's just like little old me, really. And I think it's hard to know the impact that you have. But when it, the biggest thing is when they say like, because obviously I've been on the air for like 10 years now. So people have grown up with me. Like people like Brendan Aronson, who plays for Leeds, perfect example. I remember meeting him and him and his brother and they were like, oh yeah, we met you once when we were nine. I was like, okay, that's, we don't need to be like, okay, great. And people have literally, young kids have grown up watching me and now they're adults um and some of them have like oh I've gone to sports broadcasting school because of you or and you're like oh, I, I never thought I could do it and now I've seen you doing it and, so, and you're just like well that's that's to actually impact people's lives positively is it's quite insane and very very important to me as well for females because it has been and it continues to be a journey in every walk of life to be a female, a tough journey um, in lots of walks of life. And the more that women can break down those glass ceilings and push back those barriers and make it that somebody doesn't need 10 seconds to think, you know, what you're talking about. Actually, they don't even cross their mind. We're not there yet, but we've got to keep doing the work 
so that one day yeah. our daughters and our daughters' daughters and everything don't have what we all went through and sometimes continue to go through. Well, obviously, we had the lionesses win, you yeah, know. The, that was just, Huge. we brought it home. The boys life, didn't. I mean, that's game-changing, life-changing for the cup, for the country, for the for the females in the country, for yeah. women, for girls. It's game-changer. And, it, and, it's, and it's funny. So I'm just going to read you another one. Sorry to embarrass you. Hi, live on Social Now Productions. Rebecca, you're an inspiration for all women out there, leading the conversation about the game we love and owning that stage with poise and intelligence. Come on, this is this is like a, a loving, and I this love it <laughs> because you deserve it. <laughs> this is like this is like you're not going to get your head out of the room. This is the thing is it's so important. You know, I know that you're surrounded by men. It, it's always been seen like that. I, I'm not going to say who said this to me, but I was with a couple of young boys and we were talking football. One was a West Ham fan, one was a Tottenham fan, and we were talking football. And he looked at me and he went. How did you get into football? And I looked at him and I said, How did you? He went, Well, obviously, I'm, you know. I said, What? What are you? I said, I've been to more football games than you've had at dinners. I said, I've been around the whole country with my team. I've actually been abroad to watch a final with my team. But you'd never ask a boy that, would you? I said to him, You'd never ask a boy, How did you get into it? He went, No, no, I wasn't being a lovely guy. And he didn't realize what he'd said, but he was being discriminatory because. Why would you ask me and no one else? And I just laughed and I went, listen, I don't waste my time. I was like, I don't waste my time. I've been to more football matches than most people have had hot dinners. So, it, and it, there's, look, as I said, growing up in my area and still to this day, and it's going to happen Saturday night when I go to a friend's 60th, the men will come up to me and talk football and the women go, oh, she's off this is what will happen and my other half who's in the chat room will confirm this wherever we go they'll go man what do you reckon about city it'll happen wherever we are that's what they talk to me about i've grown up with it i've never had the abuse you're talking about i'm interested to know what did you go through then what was going on well everything was fine until i took the job at espn remember when satanta went bust and espn took the rights to share with with sky and I was like the pitch side reporter for four years on the Premier League. And um, that obviously entails doing what like Jeff Shreves does. OK, so you're pitch yeah. side, you're in between the two dugouts at Arsenal. You're behind one of the dugouts. So you're pretty protected from the fans. And so I have, I have to say I've never had any trouble at Arsenal. But at a lot of grounds, Old Trafford being one, you have to, to do my job. I had to walk from the tunnel along the touchline, of course, to get to where I have to stand. Um, and you, you get anything from wolf whistles, which... It, Growing up, every woman, every woman walks walks down the road in England, gets wolf whistled at some point in their life, if not a thousand times. And it it's 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 oh, it's, a, it's not funny. It's like it's it's actually can be intimidating. I mean, from the age of thirteen, I've had you know as, as we all have wolf whistles from like random blokes, and you're like, I'm by myself, really. It can if it comes from yeah. a car or a white van, it can be quite intimidating. When you're at a football match, that's less intimidating. But then you get the chance. Remember the game that Thierry Henry came back for and he scored in the FA Cup against Leeds? Oh, I was talking about that the other day. Yes. Right. So I was presenting that game in front of the Leeds fans. Don't ask me why they put the pitch side desk in front of the Leeds fans. It was me, Martin Keown and Robbie Savage uh, for ESPN. And it was a day that Michael Brown, I think it was, kicked the ball and hit uh, Martin Keown in the, in the side of the face. Do you remember that when we were live on TV? The ball came and hit him. He oh, yes. Halfway line. He was aiming for yes. Savage, obviously, but it hit Martin Keown. <laughs> um, anyway, that was in front of the Leeds fans. And the 
chanting, there were 6,000 Leeds fans that night, the chanting of do you take it up the you know what was so loud that Kelly Cates, who was watching back home, and my mum both sent me a text. I'll never remember. I'll never forget. I turned my phone over and I had this message from Kelly Cates and from my mum, both, 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 both of them basically saying, are you okay? We can hear what's being sung. Mm. And I was like, crikey. I mean, I knew what was being sung. I could hear it, of course. But the fact that it was going down the microphone, going into people at home while I'm trying to host a TV show, because I had grown up with it in my entire career and I'd had, I've had chance and I, I used to work at the blue square premier, which is now the national league. Um, so right at the bottom of the pyramid, same thing there too. I had security guards at some grounds because of the chanting was so bad, purely just as a female, right? I, I, I'm not one of these, I, I, I don't, I don't wear like sexy clothes. I'm pretty kind of conservative. Actually, I'd be like all wrapped up, but I wasn't interacting with them. I would just get load of like, does she take it up the whatever and all sorts of other things. And Robbie Savage turned to me after that game and he was like, I don't know how you do that. How do you, how do you do that? And he was trying to shout back at them. I was like, Robbie, don't do that. Then we got hit with hot dogs. Then I got hit with coins. Um, oh I mean, God. it just, that was just one example, but it would happen all the time at so many grounds, whether it be chanting or just people shouting out what, you know, oil love, you you know, what you shouldn't be here, be in the kitchen. And it was either those kind of comments or it was just sexualization of me. And after four years of doing this, I decided, no, after about three years, I decided to join Twitter. Error. Because I was like really late to the Twitter game. Everyone's like, you've got to get on Twitter. What are you doing? You should be on Twitter. So I go on Twitter. That lasts two months because the abuse on there is obviously like times 10. Wow. So I don't know if you remember, you probably don't. I mean, you might do. It was just, it was hard. When I was at ESPN, I had to do this thing in the tunnel where I had to, where John Champion was a commentator and he would throw down to me just when the teams were lined up behind me, right? And I had the ball and I'd have to like say some line about Chelsea against whoever it was, like John Terry's right there and like Aston Villa captain's right there and I'm doing this line to camera and then I've got to give the ball to the ref. Like it's quite tough to do that in front of 22 footballers. And the amount of abuse I got for that, get out of the tunnel, it's not your place, you should be in the kitchen. I mean, it was so cliched, but the reason it's a cliche is because it's true. I got so much, came off Twitter two months later and I just found the whole thing wearing. But for the whole 10 years of my career, that, that kind of abuse was so normal. And in between 20, 2002 and 2013, when I left England, that was not a time where you spoke up. If I had gone to ESPN after that game, by the, by the way, if that had been homophobic or racist abuse, it would have been all oh, over yeah. the place, right? All yeah. over the places that, that I'd been abused. The fact that it was just that I was a female didn't didn't make a ripple. I It never crossed my mind, Amanda, to go to my bosses and say, I'm not okay with this. Arsenal need to be sorting themselves out or Leeds or whoever. They need to, they should have stopped it. And ESPN need to, need to have, you know, apologize. I should have had apologies. And that was just one, like I say, of many moments. But it never crossed my mind. Because in those days, in those days, 10 years ago, it, women weren't as, oh, it wasn't allowed as much as it is now to have a voice and say, this isn't okay. Me Too movement and all the things that have happened yeah. in the last certainly five years has changed that, thank God. And they do have more of a voice. But if I, I didn't say anything because they might think, oh, well, we might not put her on the next game. She can't handle yeah. it. You know? And so I never said yeah. it. And, and it just became normal to me, them chanting those things. And actually, when I left England and came to America, I look back on it now and I think, that was really tough for a long time. Really, really tough. And, and we're not even talking social media. That was only two months. Just in real life, that was tough. That was tough. Yeah, I, I mean, it's so disrespectful. It's so sexist. It's so disgusting. 
and so unneeded. I think if I was standing there and they'd have said that to me, I probably would have gone like that to the crowd. I think that's how I, I see I'm on Twitter and I've not really had much. And obviously I'm not like in the public eye or anything, but occasionally an old man will go, I bet you're good in the kitchen. I said, I'm also good in the bedroom, but you'd never find out. <laughs> Because that's my way of doing it is to be sarcastic and show them up. And I don't really get it anymore. Oh, that's great. But that, that is brilliant. I, I, at the time, I was so young. I was in my 20s. Of course. I didn't tough. even have a comeback. I just, but it also, it bothered me. But it also was like, well, I can't do anything about it. And no one's helping me. So I just got on with it. So I just let it all happen. Lucky it didn't destroy you because it's gone the yeah. other way. And now you're left. the leading. Sorry? I I almost left the business. That, oh, that was what I was God. trying to get. In the end, I, and it wasn't just that. I found interviewing managers really hard. Some of the managers were really, really oh, I can imagine. disrespectful. And um, not in the same way as the fans, in a kind of, um, you know, nothing. What are you talking about? Show me your questions. Derogatory. No, you're not asking yeah. Jeff Reeves to see his questions. Why are you asking to see my questions? Literally, one of them asked, give me, give me a clipboard. I want to see your questions. You're going to ask me. No. What are you doing? You're just trying to take advantage of the fact that I'm a 27-year-old girl, woman, and you're trying to basically intimidate me. And that was, and, and I had so many moments like that with a lot of managers. And I got to a point, I just said to my husband, I think I'm done. I can't take any more abuse and I can't take these managers just being so sexist. And I was all ready to open a coffee shop, literally in the little um, Cotswolds village where we lived. I was thinking I'm done. And then no joke, two months later, the phone rang and my agent said, NBC want you. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm oh, done. <laughs> maybe I'm not, no. I came close to leaving it. So yeah, it was tough. What was meant to be was meant to be. Yeah. Honestly, I just um, and Lynn's got another comment which is so true. How silly these people look now when the same respected lady is now running a team of all men who obviously have total respect for her and obviously knows her football. And you know, we you do empower us, even though we don't see you. And it's such a shame that you're not on our TV because I hope one day you do come back and you do head something over here because we need someone like you and. There is so much, uh, there's so many females in sport that are so wonderful. And you know what? There's so many good men out there as well. The problem is, is football terraces are probably not the place for it. And you can't, they just, they don't realise how derogatory they're being. They just don't get it. When I talk to people, they just don't get it, Rebecca. Yeah. They go, oh, every woman loves a wolf whistle. I go, really, do they? Have you asked them? Or do you just think it's okay to do it? Yeah. But um, well, I think it's so this time, Amanda. I think sorry to interrupt. I think like, my step. I have a stepson who's in his mid twenties, and so he's grown up. I've you know I've known him for fifteen years, and he's grown up watching me on the TV in that world. And to him, it's not weird. And to be kids younger than him, it's not weird. And I think that when my stepson gets to the age of the CEOs making the decisions at fifty five, sixty that's when real change will happen. We are still so far away from it, by the way. We're on the right track, but it is the slowest yeah. track ever. It is a massive marathon, not a sprint. So I have hope, but I what, what what sometimes I just think we have to say we're not there yet, guys. Let You know, we aren't there yet. You know, what happened to Karen Carney? What happened to, well, so many of these women? We just need to slow down on well done. There's loads of women in sport. And we're all getting, we're all on, on yeah. air. It's great. It's not great. It's not great. We're not there yet. No. Let's just not get ahead of ourselves. So Carl said, amazing stuff from Rebecca. Can't imagine how that feels to be abused doing your job. Totally turns it around now. 
highly respected. And I wanted to show a male one Thank as well. And, and, and the men, um, and men, by the way, God bless them. There are so many who just don't see gender, just don't see anything other no. than just, you know, and, and, and we need those men. And Carl, thank you. And I work with men like that. And I have to say, coming to America, I've never felt anything other than just a host, just a presenter. No one's ever well, kind of different in that way. But That's what I was going to get to, but I just want to show you. Lemon Fear, welcome to the show. I'm also a female in a male-dominated field and understand everything Rebecca is feeling. It's really tough for us. It is. It is. In whatever, whatever profession you're in with, it's all men. But you yeah. know what? Stick with it and fight through it and just be you because there's so much girl girl power out there as they say um so let me ask you a question so mbc ring your agent he yeah. rings you and he says and you're like did you believe it to begin with no no when he called me i remember exactly where i was i almost fell on the floor i was like no 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 obviously you mean they want me to do so i knew they'd got the rights but i just thought he meant as the pitch side reporter like doing what I've been doing for ESPN but just for NBC living in England and just doing that thing and I'm immediately thinking I'm no chance I'm doing that I've had enough of this pitch side luck um and also BT had offered me the same job so you know when it mm. went from ESPN to BT um they would they'd said well when you're when ESPN runs out and we start next year we'd like you to be our pitch side and I was like no thanks no chance no I'm done with the old pitch side thing um, and so when he said, no, 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 it's not pitch side, it's presenter in the studio. And I'd been the number two to Ray Stubbs at ESPN for four years. And Ray had had a heart operation in 2012 and he couldn't present the FA Cup final, Chelsea Liverpool. So I had to do it, not had to do it, they asked me to do it, which was for me a bit of a career changer because it was like an eight hour broadcast, pitch side at Wembley, like no auto cue, nothing. And four guests, we had like Zoe, uh, who did we have? No, Poyet, Burley, Kevin Keegan. John Barnes, maybe. And it was kind of a, a moment where I thought I could do that. I, at the end of the day, I was like, wow, I just did that whole, wow, I think I can do this. But still not enough to keep me in the job. Still thinking, I, but I'm just never going to be the presenter. I'm always going to be the number two. I want to be the mm. number one. I was 30, 32. And I was thinking, if it's not going to happen now, I've done the FA Cup final. It's never going to happen. And so when BT offered me the job as pitch side um, reporter, I was like, see, Never going to happen. I'm not going to be the number one on BT. I want to be the number one. And so when NBC said, no, this is the number one, I'm like, oh, okay, this is different. Now, this is what I feel like I want. And I felt like pitch side job, hardest job in football. No doubt about it. I have so much respect for all the people who do the pitch side reporting. It's hardest, thankless job in football. I wanted to be in the studio. I wanted to be that number one and get a chance to do the massive games and all of that. And this was it. And so I was like, well, let's just, okay, go see them. Let's just double check it is what we think it is. And then, <laughs> yeah, it was. So you signed for NBC. Yeah. What the hell was your first, so I just want to, walking on to the set, the first ever time, what did you feel like? Amanda, terrified. And here's why. <laughs> because the, the television language in America, is, it's like literally might as well be French, okay? The stuff that they use for different, like going to break, we would say B-roll, I think, in England. And in America, they call it a rollout. I mean, it's like literally learning another language. I got there July 1st. I was on air like August 9th. And we'd had one rehearsal and I spent the whole rehearsal the day before thinking, I don't know what you're saying in my ear. I don't understand what you're saying because it's like another language. And I remember that morning, couldn't really sleep the night before, that morning, getting to work, sitting in my chair, and I remember the boss in my ear counting down from 10 to zero before we went on for the first ever show. And I got this frog in my throat and it was a mixture. It was just an emotional, like, I think you're going to mess it up. I think you're going to yeah. mess it up because you don't really know what you're doing based on the fact this is all so new. 
and I was petrified but it went really well and ever since then it's been good but it's taken a long time to get used to American television um took me at least two or three years but the fear levels were I mean I didn't yeah. even feel like a week through through yeah. the roof through the roof but feel the fear and do it anyway chaps this episode is brought to you by Shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Oh, I love that. I've got so many things I want to talk to you about. First of all, I love watching the fan fests. So I can't see a lot of it, but I can see clips and I can see that. That must be amazing to go around the country and, and see, as you call it, as they call it, soccer fans and stuff like that. It must be just amazing. So the fact that going from having Leeds fans be so disgusting to you to having the and having these kids that want to be you, you yeah. know, it just must be uh, um, incredible to help other people, Rebecca, to help other women as well. And we're not making this, a, a, a you know, a woman only show. It's not about that. It's about. The fact that this lady that went over from England to the States has got one of the best jobs ever. So Cole has a question. And this is going to be one of my questions as well. And I know I haven't got you for long. I cannot believe actually, 43 you know minutes what? My, gone. My, my, my actually, my thing that I'm supposed to be doing at five has just been pushed back. So I do have a few more minutes if you wanted to. Thank God. I want to, you tell me when you've got to go. Let's just carry on. Okay. Um, Cole wants to know who is Rebecca's favorite ex-pro to work with and why? I was going to ask you that. Oh, I love so many of them. There's also a few I don't. No, um, I <laughs> I don't have a favourite because that would be harsh. I I, I mean, of course, the t I, and I'm not just saying this, but my team of Robbie Master, Robbie Earl, Tim Howard, Lee Dixon, Graham Lasso, those five people, you're never going to get. You're just and that we have Danny Higginbotham as well and Stephen Warnock. But the five that I work with that week in week out, you're never going to get better humans, right? So I just love them so much. In terms of before I was at ESP, um, ESPN, well, before I was at NBC. Steve McManaman takes a beating. Steve McManaman is like one of the world's nicest people. I absolutely oh. loved him. He was just from the very first day I met him and I was like intimidated, you know, Macca, Real Madrid, Liverpool, the England, like Euro 96, just the whole thing. I was like, Steve McManaman um, just couldn't have been more normal, more gracious, more just welcoming, accepting. He was lovely, as was John Barnes. John Barnes just absolutely first-class human being um and there's been others as well so many others but I just yeah those two really stand out for me as being so accepting from the moment they met me and I'm assuming there were maybe some that weren't I know you're not going to mention them of course but was there the odd ones that you just you know felt a little bit like they disrespected you a little bit a, a little bit talked down to at times by Sama. We did a show called Football Matters, me and James Richardson. 
um, way back in the day, like 2009 on Satanza, late night, Monday night, 10 o'clock, like random studio audience, like just a random show, but kind of fun if you could find it. Um, and we would get people on there who would be like a regular, like a Craig Burley or a Stephen Manaman. And then we would have like a, co a comedy or a referee or somebody a bit different. And then we'd have one other ex-pro and that other ex-pro was like new every week. And so it could be, it could be just be anybody, usually an out of work manager or a just retired player. And so it was hard to kind of get a rapport with those, those particular guests. I found that quite difficult. And so sometimes I think they viewed me as like James Richardson, everyone knows James from Football Italia, Gazzetta della Sport, whatever he did. And then it was just like, oh, the blonde who's with James. And because I was working at the same time doing the Blue Square premiere, not a lot of people, I, I, this was before I got the job at ESPN. Mm -hmm. So not a lot of people kind of knew that I was anything other than just this blonde who sat next to James on the sofa. And I did find those extra guests sometimes a little bit dismissive. I wouldn't say disrespectful. I just say dismissive. Like they just would talk to James and not me. Um, and that was hard. As the years have gone by and the world's changed with social media and the, the ability to see clips and the ability to see. And it's funny because I, I don't quite realize, I think, that NBC is relatively well known in England in terms of our coverage is relative, especially in the industry. But it's relatively well known. So people kind of do see me a little bit more than maybe I thought they did. Now I don't, I get, I get surprised, but everyone much better now, but in no 10, 15 years ago, there were, there were the odd dismissive person. Yes, I can imagine. So Newman, who is a mate of mine on Twitter said two great ladies, Rebecca inspires young women and PG, which is my nickname, is an Arsenal fan legend. I love you, Newman. Aww. I know. See, I love it when I know it sounds funny that men say that you inspire as well. I think that we've come so far with the with with the man and the woman thing with football. I don't I there's so many women at football now. I don't even think about it anymore. When I was at Highbury, um God rest her soul, we had Maria who was our who is Mrs. Arsenal, who was bless yeah. her. Um me, uh my friend Jan who sat behind me and another lady. Didn't see anybody else. There obviously must have been, but there wasn't many. Now at the Emirates, everywhere we're everywhere oh, and oh, it's fabulous it, it, to see. I, I completely agree. I used to go to Selhurst Park as a teenager growing up, me and my friend Rachel. And, you know, we would be the only females we'd see all the way there in the stand and all the way home again. I mean, there just weren't any other females. And it and we were obviously weird back then in 1996 or, or clearly like standouts like a sore thumb. Didn't feel weird. To me, it's football. I loved it. It was in my blood. So it wasn't weird. It was weird that all the other girls in my class didn't go to football on a Saturday. Like, why are you not going to QPR? Because we lived in Ealing. So I'm like, why don't... What, what's wrong with you? Why are you going shopping? Why are you going to QPR? Like it is that so other people for me, it was like weird that people didn't go. But I'm the same. But you know, I, I tell this story quite often. Casey Stoney, who of course played for England, Manchester United women's manager, now manager at San Diego uh, Wave over here, women's women's team. Um, my husband was assisting assistant manager to her last year, and he she told a brilliant story. She got three kids and little boy two girls with her wife Megan and a little boy called Teddy same name as my little boy and apparently he's only about five maybe six apparently he said to her a year or so ago he turned to her and he said you know what mum men play football too because <laughs> all he's grown up with of course is both his mum's playing football and his mum being a manager <laughs> and probably watching a ton of women's football and suddenly realizing the pennies dropping that actually men play as well I mean get that on a t-shirt right now I love it and my little boy, Teddy, who's nearly seven, who's only ever watched me do the games, to him, 
of course, he thinks all mums are on TV talking about football. Yeah. But when I when I was on a conference call the other day and I had all the Zoom pictures up, it's still obviously very male dominated. Even at NBC behind the scenes, there are women. We have a, a female director in, in graphics, but it's more men than women. But that, you know that's the same in virtually every office, whether it's TV or finance or anything. Mm. And Teddy looked at the screen and he was like, "Mum, you're." And at that point, they hadn't got the women weren't on, but he said, "Mum, you're the only woman." And his kind of inc- the incredulous nature of his voice was to me, amazing to hear because he was like, that's weird. That's strange. Yeah, that's yeah. strange. I'm like, oh, darling, that's for another day. I'll update you about that in the world. Um, but to me, it shows that at seven, nearly seven years old, he's doesn't he's seeing everything as equal. You know, he's not thinking it's weird that I do football. So it is a bit weird, though, that there's loads of men on the screen. It's quite interesting that I'm quite encouraged by that. That is lovely, the new generation. I've got yeah. so many people who want to say things to you. Right, let's, let's see this one. Lawrence Emmanuel, welcome to the show. Rebecca, do you remember meeting me at Los Angeles Fan Fest at the Coliseum last year? I was wearing my Arsenal shirt with Liam Brady on the back. She didn't believe me when I said I was from Cockfosters. Oh, I remember the Cockfosters. Okay, just can I just put it out there? I do talk to about 2,000 people. But I was going to say that. I do remember because I think I also was like explaining then to somebody about how Cockfosters is always the end of the line. And you're like, oh, this is the train to Cockfosters. Um, so yes, I do remember you, Lawrence Emanuel. Love, thank you for coming to the Fan Fest. How great was that, by the way, in LA? God, God it would be fantastic to have oh, stuff like that over here. And yeah. this is the train to Cockfosters, which is what you said. Um, okay, so Jess is back. I wonder if you feel the acceptance in the US versus UK could be connected with the high popularity of women's sports in the US, particularly football, has been strong and more normalised for longer. I get that. It's a good question because the, the the women's the US women's national team regularly get more viewers than the US men's national team. So I know what she means by that. I think that does help, definitely. And Title IX, which well, I think in the 70s, Jess or no, which gave more power to female sports through college and everything, is a big deal. I think the reason why it's different is kind of twofold. One, in the US... So in England, you grow up, it's just football. I know there's a bit of cricket, it's a bit of rugby, it's a bit of... It's football, let's let's be honest. So everything is so intense and it's all about football. In the US, sport is spread much more evenly. Yes, NFL is the biggest one, but NBA, MLB, mm. Major League Soccer, Premier League, NHL are all underneath it, okay? And now Premier League, our show has overtaken NHL quite significantly in terms of viewing figures, right? So we're now bigger than ice hockey. Major League Soccer still has isn't as big as the Premier League in terms of viewing figures, but we are now, you go NFL, NBA, MLB, Premier League. I mean, hello, that's amazing. But here's the thing, because there's so many sports and they're all very, very popular, there are also four big networks, CBS, Fox, NBC, ABC, not just BBC, ITV. There's four massive networks, not to mention ESPN and TNT and others, because it's a big country, lots of sports, lots of programming, lots of talent on screen. So they're going to need more women. So mm. there are so many women on screen. It's it's like England, but this happened a long time ago over here. So what's happening in England now happened 25 years ago in America, 20 years ago in America. So there are, it's not weird at all to see females anywhere near sport. So I think it just started a bit earlier, which has helped to get the minds where they are now, where they will be in England in another 20 years. I think that helps. I also think the culture of sport in America is totally different. As I was saying, grew up in England, football is everything. It's a religion, it's tribal. That's how we love it. It's in our blood. I wouldn't change my obsession with Palace and our passion and, and the tribalism that we have for anything. But in America, 
maybe college football is a bit like that, but I would say on the whole, sport, and this is a bit of a generalization, but sport is more of an event. It's more of entertainment. It's it's um, a family yeah. trip out, okay? You go to a yeah. game, you go and get your popcorn halfway through a, a match of any of these games. You come back, basically nothing's happened in Major League Baseball or NFL if you go out and get popcorn. But it's it's more of a let's let's enjoy the event and hope we win but it doesn't ruin your week like your day today has been ruined ruined of course, the super bowl's a bit different but on the whole it's they support them but they don't live by it it's not yeah. a be all and end all and so therefore that approach there's just less anger there's less people are just less pissed off with 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 sport with life with losing so they don't have a, they don't vent their anger towards women so i just think that um, an american people are just so it's just really nice. They're really, really nice. And at fan fests, I can't tell you. I cannot tell you. They're just so lovely and so welcoming. And I, yeah, I just think there's, I think there's a number of reasons why. But I think the UK is going to get there. It just, we're just twenty years away. It's tribal. That's the difference. It is so tribal. It's like it's like a it's like a it's like a cult, like a religion. It's you know you know like. And that's you could slag to it, yeah. Absolutely, you could slag your husband off, but no one else can. Yeah, anyone comes from my team, I can slag him off all day long, and anyone in the chat room can as well. Anyone else comes from my team, my back goes straight away. I'm like, listen, <laughs> listen, I'll tell you. You get those um, extreme fans like that in America. Don't get me wrong; I'm not saying they're not they're not fanaticals. They are. It, it's just not quite has the edge that it has in England. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I did want to talk about, because you covered the Olympics, didn't you? And um, I can't say this name, hashtag Marissa. Hashtag Marissa, there we go. Welcome to the show. It's nice to see all different names tonight. You Aww. covered the Olympics. What sport would you complete, compete in if you could? <laughs> Are you sporty? I actually haven't asked you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am, I am. I mean, going back to something you said earlier about those kids who said to you, how did you get into football? It's quite amazing. It just reminds me of how many people say to me, so did you play football as in because over here women play football right when I grew up when you grew up we didn't play football it wasn't even an no. option netball rounders hockey yes football no so no I didn't I came to an American high school for a year where I played terribly but no I didn't um but I would have done had there been the opportunity because I I loved it I mean it's a great game to play and so no I'm not sporty in terms of football playing football but yes in terms of everything else I'm, I'm I was always in every team at school and hockey and netball and loved it tennis um but in terms of which sport I would compete in at the Olympics it's a great question isn't it and, and it would probably be summer Olympics because quite frankly who can do any of the things at the winter Olympics literally except <laughs> the curling probably could curl. um I I think I would amazing question amazing question I think maybe I would be a swimmer. I think I, I, I mean, I can swim pretty well, but like, it just, it, I just don't go very fast. And I would just love that feeling like, you know, of just being like, that would be amazing. And I just think that mm. it's quiet and you're on your own and all the training and you're so super healthy and it's like the best thing for you. I think swimming basically being the female Michael Phelps. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's Michael Phelps. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> Oh, that's so sweet, Andy. Amanda, you've struck gold interviewing Rebecca. This should be shown on national TV. Oh! <laughs> How lovely is that? Thank you so much. Um, right, we're going to bring a Man United fan on, Barnaby Jones. Welcome to the show. Um, I went to a non-league game recently. There were not many 
female to male supporters. I wonder why maybe there is more in the Premier League. Never really thought about it before, actually. I think I think our so how I was brought into football, Rebecca, is my dad is the biggest gooner on the planet. If you ever met my dad, you wouldn't get a word. It's all Arsenal. He'd be talking all Arsenal to you and, and Palace. He'd be talking about Patrick Vieira to you and everything else. So do you think it's that? Because our families, I don't know, I've never been to a non-league match, if I'm honest. Have you ever been to one over well, the Well, yeah, because I covered it for two years. So covered. I know, yeah, I know sure. non-league really well. And the reason I think there are more, and he's right, there are definitely not as many women down in the non-league as there are in the Premier League. And it's just purely exposure. So women can't get away from the fact that um, there's Premier League football on every single day virtually and it's accessible to everybody. And so therefore they are going to be drawn in more. And I think it's just simply that's the fact. And also it's a little bit more glamorous. It's a little bit more glossy. Well, it's quite a lot more glossy and quite a lot more glamorous than going down to like Tooting and Mitchum. It's just not as glamorous, is it, to go and stand behind the goal. And so not glamorous, but not as kind of comfy. And I think that you need, if you're going to be an yeah. outsider, you need something kind of attractive to get you in. And I think that's probably why there are more females that go to Premier League. It's just, it's just everywhere in England. So you can't walk, you can't move for the Premier League in England. So if you're exposed to something that much and you have, you're that way inclined to get into football, you're going to go to a Premier League, maybe before a non-league, which is a shame, but yeah. I know. And I think because it's on TV yeah, and remember what Becca, Beckham, David Beckham did for the, you know, the exposure of the World Cup, Paul Gascoigne did it, um, England. I think more women saw it as an accessible, but it was more the Premier League. It was the big stars, wasn't it? I can't let you go without asking you a couple of questions about, have you interviewed Arteta? Yes, yes. Um, only the once. He came pitch side this, was it only the once? I think it's only once. Oh, no, twice. I did one last week, actually. I did it after the Everton game, down the line, live. We do like a tunnel interview after a couple of games every weekend. So he came, I didn't think he was going to come, but he came on live down the tunnel to our show. And he, you know, he was pretty clippy, pretty chippy, as he often is. The game that you played against West Ham that we came over on Boxing Day or whenever that was, just after Boxing Day, um, he came out afterwards pitch side. And that's when you get a I think it's partly because they know we're there on American TV and it's a bit different. We're not quite as, um, I don't know, we, we, we're a little, I don't know what the right word is, but I think that, that managers seem to give us a lot more when we're pitch side at a game than yeah. I used to get working for British TV. Um, obviously, owners, when they're American, the manager knows if an owner's American like yours, then they need to get on American TV and give something. And he was great with us. I just wish with Arteta in front of the camera, I have so much respect for him. He's obviously just killing it, but... I just, he's got a wall up. He's got such a wall up. And I think he's got so much intelligence. And I don't think he needs to put the wall up as much as he does. I, I think he constantly thinks he's trying to be caught out. And yeah, there are days when reporters are trying to trying to get a line. There are, of course. But the wall doesn't help his PR. I think he's I think he's better than his, his appearance on TV says. I think he could give you more. I think he could be a little less chippy. I think he could be more open because he's got so much he's got such great things to say he's not the only one by the way I mean Klopp Pep that they can all be David Moyes there's so many managers who are like that and I think it's a shame and I I think with Arteta he could have so he could give you such wonderful answers he's just as they all are nervous about being caught out and saying the wrong thing so maybe that I was going to ask you if Pep was the same and you've just mentioned him because obviously Arteta learned under him so maybe that's where he got that from um, yeah. But weirdly, when we see the interviews over here on BBC or Sky or whatever, it doesn't really come across like that. It comes across as quite 
I, I can see the chippy bit. I can yeah. see sometimes that. Um, and also they're very protective. Pep's protective of City, Klopp of Liverpool. Can't, as I said, can't criticise them. You yeah. know, and I think Arteta, we've got the youngest team in the Premier League, I think. And I think he's just so protective of yes. that. And, yeah. and, and And he's in a massive job. And I love him, Rebecca. I absolutely love him. Um, it's just, ah, right. So another quick question for you, which is something else. Have you seen All or Nothing on Amazon? Did yes. you watch the Arsenal? Yes. Did you? Did your view change of him or not? Yes. Because I absolutely. think it did with Arsenal fans. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I've got to be honest with you guys. First couple of episodes, I'm thinking, and this was before, obviously, when I was watching it, it was before you guys had started the season done really well. And there was, you know, Arteta out for like two years, right? So now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. First few episodes, I'm thinking, oh, like the, you'll never walk alone thing. And like, oh, God, cringe, stop. Maybe slightly not big enough for this job. And then as it went on, he grew on me more and more. He's so blooming serious, though. My God, it's so hard to get a laugh out of him. I mean, does he ever laugh? I really don't think he does. The odd smile. I'd love him to be a bit less serious. Um, but he, I then started to think, actually. And then what I did was I asked a lot of the ex-pros, like, tell me, what are, what are your impressions? Because I was interested to see theirs. And he changed a lot of people's views. He really changed a lot of people's views. I, I, I think he did. I mean, his halftime team talks just exhausting, aren't they? He just screams at everyone in a kind of positive way. But like, <laughs> it's just a lot. And, and some of his kind of, some of his, um, uh, what's the word? Like, um, uh, like not gizmos, but things he, random things he does. Like when he gets the whiteboard out or he has the, whatever thing he put in the middle of the dressing room. Like that can be a bit like, now is that just a kind of, um, what are we doing here? Is that is that really going to help? Like the you'll never walk alone perfect example. It didn't help at all. But that's no. him just experimenting, and that's okay. He's and you, everyone keeps forgetting it's his blooming first job, by the way. First job, first ever job. Well played. And Lynn Simpson said, Rebecca and Amanda, I just feel that because of the pundits always trying to put Arsenal down, he won't give them any more ammunition. And I think there is a lot of that. It is a little bit, and I think a lot of clubs think that's like Arsenal against the world. I mean, you've got a City against the world at the yeah, moment, it does, and it, it does I, feel like that. It, it, yeah, but it feels like Palace against the world too. Trust me, every every team, every club, I every fan sits. Everyone hates their club. It's true, you know. And I I can tell you from experience from just this season, the people at NBC, that pundits NBC, all are, are so refreshed by Arsenal. They're not, you know, and I'm sure it's the same no. in England. We, we, it is refreshing, so it's not anti at all. Um, but when you're behind the red glasses and like I'm behind red and blue glasses, you're like, oh, everyone thinks Palace are rubbish. You know, you that's just the way you are. It's just the way that every fan is the same. It just is. Well, we've got one pundit that can't stand us, and it's Richard Keyes, and he goes for Arteta every week. He's it's actually hilarious. He's not a pundit. No, so he's, he's not, not anything. Pro. He's just like me. Like we just have we have opinions, but they don't come from a 
a position of playing the game. So no, you know what I mean. Yeah, let's not talk about him. Um, one last question. Okay. No. what do you? I know you have to go. I know I could talk to you forever, and I want to keep you forever, but you've got to go. Um, busy lady. Vieira is your manager at Palace. It would be very remiss of me to not ask you what you think of him. And I want to ask you where you think Arsenal are going to end up, and then I'll let you go. All right. So to the first question, Vieira, wasn't sold on the appointment. Didn't feel that the CV had enough to come to Palace and do what needed to be done. Then I changed my view because that's what footballers do always. Um, I mean, football fans do is like change their view based on results and the way we were playing last year and the way we played even more than results was brilliant. This season is a problem. I'm getting a bit twitchy. I'm getting a bit twitchy. I don't understand. He's fired Sean Derry, who is a bit of a Palace legend and who was on his backroom stuff. He fired him a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's not That's not brilliant for morale. I don't understand why he dropped Eze. I don't understand what's happened to Eze. I don't understand why we can't sort the Zaha situation out. It needs to be sorted out. Nobody knows what's happening. I'm, we, we haven't signed a good, we have not had a good striker since Andy Johnson. So there's a problem with the recruitment and Vieira needs to find a striker and we keep buying ones that aren't very good. So I like him. I'm, I'm twitchy right now. Yeah. About him. And in terms of where Arsenal are going to finish, I what I would I would love nothing more than for Arsenal to win the first the league for the first time in 19 years. I think that would be great for the Premier League. I think you'll finish second. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Oh, it's all right. Um one last question. I'm gonna let you go. Will you be in another episode of Ted Lasso? And I loved Ted Lasso. What a brilliant program. Watch this. Uh, she's not watch said anything, space. but we should watch the space. Yeah. Rebecca Lowe. I have loved every second. I feel like we've only had five minutes. I know. I can't wait to watch this show back. You've been a star. I can't thank you enough for being the wonderful you. Thank you. Thank you for over an hour of your time because I know you're a busy lady. No problem. Thank you for everybody for watching and tuning in and sending questions and comments and bless your heart. So thanks, everybody. I've really, really enjoyed it. Rebecca, I hope to have you on at the end of the season. Let's hope you're wrong and we're not second. Hey ho, but near the time we might want to be second. So we'll have to wait and see. We've got more football to play. Well done for everything you do for every woman, every sports person. We love you. Rebecca, thank you, thank you so much. So welcome. So welcome. Take care. Bye, love. Bye. I'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much. Honestly, no it's been fantastic. No have a worries. great day. Oh, you too, love. Take care. Bye. Good luck. Take Saturday. care. Bye, bye. Bye. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that was Rebecca Lowe. I'm just going to stay with you for a few more minutes and then I'm going to go. Honestly, I just, yes, we need to get her back. She is fantastic. Thank you for all your lovely comments as well. If you could all press like um, and subscribe because I'm going to do quite a few of these Thursday shows. Next up is Ali Bender next Thursday night. Um, Sky Sky journalist. She works on Sky. She's a mad Chelsea fan. She's interviewed loads of our players recently. And she often messages me and says, what do you want to ask? What do you want to ask? So she's back next Thursday night. However, we will back, we'll be back before then on Sunday evening. Me, Chris, James, um, and possibly another guest to discuss we will get to, we will discuss a little bit of City, but obviously Aston Villa. Um, what's your predictions, guys, for Aston Villa? I don't even want to say anymore what the predictions are.
but um we have to win we just we just have to win um thank you for your lovely comments lynn what a great lady both rebecca and me thank you so much carl says great um great show awesome host and fabulous guests um Barnaby Jones, I have a question for Arsenal fans that I was going to ask the other night. Do you consider Man United in the title race? Yes, I do, 100%. I absolutely do. I think it's between the three of us. And let's hope it comes down south to the red team. But um, everyone, thank you so much for joining me. I will see you Sunday night at 7.30 with the boys. All I can say is we have to win on Saturday. We have to have to win. Um, good night. Thank you ever so much. Always Arsenal. And Rebecca was amazing. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.